Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome to Time Dropper episode 64 of our 24 minute recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Time Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review if you'd like, Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Time Dropper Pod. So for today's episode, we are going to get into the madness of the trade deadline. But I will start briefly by talking about our Clipper game today against the Spurs. Back-to-back, Kawhi sat, didn't like it at all, load management, not a fan, was nervous that you know. Kawhi sits, we're not going to get four wins in a row, can't continue the streak. We're down, of course, Lou Williams because of the trade today that I'll get into in much more depth in a second. And no Marcus Morris Sr., I guess another precautionary measure. But we get out there, and the first thing you want to see when you see these kind of games are the intensity, the communication, and fighting over screens. The two things that make you good at defense in today's NBA. Fighting over screens and communication. Reggie Jackson, Paul George, everybody doing a great job. We were struggling a bit on DeRozan in the first half, but overall, the effort was there, the communication was there, and Zubats again. When he starts, that guy is a different animal. He was blocking everything, contesting floaters, like just strong. There was one time where DeRozan tried to just go into him, and he went into his chest, and he just bounced back. And Zubats came out to 12 feet, 15 feet to pick him up, and he cut off the drive really well, forced a pass. So Zoo in every way was phenomenal. I thought they we ended the first half really bad just because we couldn't make any open shots. I mean, Paul George kept getting to the rim. And to no avail. Reggie Jackson was like the only person hitting open threes. You know, we saw Kennard. We saw Terrence. Nobody could hit an open three. Even though Terrence and Amir Coffey came in and scored some buckets around the rim, played good D, Terrence started. But Amir Coffey came in off the bench. And, you know, Amir Coffey may be somebody that we should, now that we can kind of experiment with our second unit a bit, because no Lou and Lou's pretty consistently available. That's one thing you have to say about Lou and his time with us. He was consistently available. Uh, Rondo will not be like that in the regular season. So I think that's a chance for us to give Amir Coffey some more spot minutes. And Because I think that guy, if he can hit his open threes, I mean, that's all you need in today's NBA, right? We talked about this in As the NBA getting better and better. What's the typical role player in today's league? 3 and D guy. If you can do a 3 and D and Amir Coffey, he likes going to the rim and he's pretty good at it. I can see a spot for him in the rotation. Now, I just thought overall, though, we were getting the right shots. Second half, they started easing up on Paul George, and he took over that third quarter. He was a beast. He was pulling up, hitting jumpers, and he made some great reads. A couple times in the first half, he was going away from the screen. Like, you know, defender thought he was going to take the screen. He went away from it, got downhill, and attracted minimum two defenders. One time he even attracted four and kicked it out, and that starts the ball movement, the rotation that gets us those open threes that have made us the best three-point shooting team in basketball this year. That all starts from dribble penetration from Paul George, from Kawhi. Tonight, Paul George really carried the load, and it's a total night and day from the Clippers we saw last year when we didn't have Kawhi. When we had Paul George against New Orleans last year, or Chicago, it was just usually kind of a disaster. I think our best win came against OKC at home. 
But we, for the most part, without Kawhi, we just didn't look very good last year. But this year, we look much better, much more next man up mentality. That all starts in the defensive end. You know, we we held these these jokers to 85 points. 85 points in 2021. That's called defense. That's called effort. That's called heart. Wow. Ivica Zubats. Talk about a guy whose stat line does him absolutely no justice at all. 3 of 11, but 10 of 13, 5 blocks. So I guess it does do him some justice. He was just incredible. Just just fantastic. And there's just, again, I'm going to repeat for the millionth time, no reason why he needs to go back to the bench when Serge comes back. Serge needs to get on the bench. And I hope Ty makes that move. Uh, Reggie Jackson, arguably the player of the game tonight. Uh, 28 points, decent defense, a little too much dribbling at times for me, but coming off his screens and on catch and shoot, catch and shoot Reggie, we already know the deal with him, how great he is, 23 to 13, by the way, was the third quarter score for the Clippers in favor of the Clippers, we outscored the Spurs 49 to 30 in the second half, we conceded 30 points, part of it is the Spurs are just not that good. I don't know. They better they better not make the playoffs. Like this team is not that good. It was the beginning of the season was kind of a fluke, I think. Spurs fans, if any of you exist in my lives, please tell me why I'm wrong if I say that. But it just seems like you guys were kind of a fluke. Uh no Aldridge anymore. We'll talk about him in a second. But uh Kennard, overall, I like when he like shoots. Like when he misses, that's fine because he takes good shots. I do not care if you miss and you take good shots. So Kennard needs to keep shooting. You know, two of seven, not great. Is it a good thing he was 2 of 7? Yes, because you know why? It gives him confidence that even though he shot 7 shots and he missed 5, if Ty plays him next game, he knows he's not walking on eggshells. He will be fine. It happens. Anyway, that was it for the next game, guys. I think we were fantastic. Paul George, by the way. Oh, yeah, so if I didn't finish Reggie Jackson's stat line, 28 points, 7 of 7 from the line, 5 of 10 from 3, 8 of 16 from the field. So 50, 50, 100 for Reggie Jackson splits. Paul George, my player of the game personally, even though his shooting wasn't that great, I just, I don't know. I just thought he led by example. His body language, the plays he was making were just great. 24 points, 13 rebounds, four of those offensive rebounds, by the way, four assists. He was a plus 20, the highest of anybody on our team. I thought Paul was our best player tonight, personally, but Reggie was is an acceptable answer as well, and so is Zoo, to be honest. But four wins in a row, with even without Kawhi to get that win, man, we are playing some of our best basketball this season, and we need to continue playing this way. One, uh, I don't even know what our next game is, nor do I care. I think it's against Philly, which won't be easy. So let's continue. And Paul George will be, I'm sorry, Kawhi will be rested and ready to go. But now let's get to what everybody came here for tonight and what everybody wants to actually talk about. Um, the trade deadline. Let's start with us, the Clippers. I cannot tell you how ecstatic I am and how happy I am. I've wanted Rajon Rondo on my basketball team since I was like 11 years old. He was one of the three players when I was growing up with Chris Paul and Darren Williams that I used to mimic his moves on the court. With Rondo, it was always the behind-the-back pass fake. I remember I, one time, one or two times I got somebody with that on the playground, and I was just like, everybody's like, Rondo, man. And I just love dime droppers, man. Rondo is one of the greatest passers, one of the greatest point guards of, our gen, of, of this era, of our generation. There's no debating that. He's 
I don't want to call him one of the best point guards of all time, but as far as his playoff value in the playoffs, he really is probably one of the greatest of all time. And what did I say? It's not, I don't think we needed a playmaking point guard that bad, but what did we need more than anything? A voice. A high IQ guy that's going to settle the troops down when Kawhi and Paul George are missing shots, when we're missing jumpers in the playoffs, in big moments when we need someone to settle it down, maybe run a play when things are, you know, people getting frustrated, lack of calls. Who is going to be that guy that says, guys, it's okay? Tyloo and Chauncey Billups can't play. There was nobody better than Rondo. The fact that we pulled this off, you got to give Lawrence Frank and the logo so much credit. And, you know, people are sad about Lou. Come on, man. I said he should have gone after the Dallas game. I love Lou Williams. And let me just give my opportunity to say a thank you to Lou Williams. Lou Williams, man, is one of the most influential Clippers to ever play for the Clippers. That's not saying much, of course, but Lou Williams came at a time of a lot of uncertainty. You know, we had our first period of sustained playoff success or regular season success, you should, our consecutive playoff appearances. And a lot of people were saying, I know, I remember some of my friends were saying to me that when Chris Paul leaves, you're going to go back to being the Clippers again. And I used to tell them with Balmer, I don't think that's going to be the case. And when we traded for Lou Will, Pat Bev, and Montrader, I thought, okay, good move. We got Lou Will, you know, another, you know, kind of like Jamal replacement, basically. The first year, he was a Jamal replacement, you can say. A little better, though. I mean, he had his 50-point game at Golden State, which was one of the, the, the first moments that really made me really fall in love with him in a way. And then the game I was at against Houston when Chris Paul returned, he was phenomenal, helped us win that game. But it was okay that season. But the season that like really made Lou Williams an all-time clipper, 2019, he literally was unbelievable. I mean, I remember, I'll never forget all season watching those games in my house in college, having little to no expectations for the season except for maybe we can compete for the playoffs. And after Tobias Harris got traded, I was like, yeah, we're done. And for him, I've never seen a Clipper player close games like that. Not Kawhi, not Paul George, not Chris Paul. Nobody closed games like Lou Williams in 2019 for this Clipper team. Nobody. The contested jumpers. You know, the degree of difficulty on the shots that he'd make. He would single-handedly will us to victories at Minnesota, at Detroit, at Chicago. I can go on and on about the games that he carried us to. The game winner against Brooklyn. You know, he was incredible. And then, of course, the two wins that will forever be remembered by Clipper fans in Clipper history against the Warriors in Oracle Arena, the last season of Oracle Arena. You know, the sad thing about Lou is, I will say, man, I was in love with him then. Like, I loved him. I liked him even more than Jamal. I really said that. Yeah, game winner versus the Bucks too. I can, I mean, I can keep talking about clutch shots Lou hit, but last season was tough. You know, starting with the lemon pepper incident, it showed a clear lack of responsibility and a lack of seriousness. And then the playoffs were no better. And I started to get sick of Lou last year because I saw him getting abused on every single switch more than ever before, abused by every single matchup. I even saw, um, I even saw, when I saw Kent Bazemore scoring at him at will, I saw the Sacramento Kings last year force-feeding Kent Bazemore against Lou Williams, that's when I knew that we have a problem. And then when I saw LeBron 
uh, trying to get Lou Williams in pick and roll every single play in that game in March of 2020, I knew we had a serious problem. And in the playoffs, when you really, one of my pet peeves, guys that if they don't hit shots are complete liabilities, as I've called out many times with Lou this season, after the Dallas game, I said it's time for him to go because I didn't believe that he was going to be able to get us past the second round. I stand by that decision. I've been consistent with that. That doesn't change how much I like Lou Williams. I do like Lou Williams. Did And by the way, remember is the NBA getting better? His comments about past players and LeBron in the 70s, that was also a comment that really turned me off on him. You know how much I love the game of basketball and his history, so hearing a player say that really turned me off a little bit so that all in all made me not fuck with Lou as much as before but that being said I still really like Lou Williams I guess you could say I love Lou Williams and at the end of the day I really like him let's put it that way at the end of the day he is one of the greatest Clippers of all time and it is sad to see him go and I wish him all the best and I think it's very sad how he did this but it had to happen Rondo is gonna give us the opposite of what the Clipper franchise is known for we are a consistent chokers and underachievers Rondo is exactly you know what people are saying let me hear about this I saw so many accounts on Clipper Twitter today guys oh my like the biggest accounts with the most followers complaining about how bad this move was like I'm starting to be convinced that the people that follow the Clippers on Twitter, like, did not hoop or something. Because, like, you keep looking at the stats. Guys, we've watched 26, I just counted tonight, 26 Hawks games this season that we've talked about with each other on Dime Dropper. How many times has Rondo's name been mentioned? Zero, little to none. Because he hasn't played, he's not taking it seriously. How many times did I say, I don't understand why the Hawks signed Ryan Rondo, except for if they get to the playoffs? Or else you're not going to see the repercussions of, or, or the, uh, the not repercussions necessarily, the positives of that mood, of that move. 2017, what were Bulls fans saying? Rondo's washed. Fred Hoiberg was benching him. What happened in the playoffs? If it wasn't for his injury, the Celtics may have lost as the one seed. Do you guys not remember that? Do we have amnesia? Or you guys are only focusing on the Clippers? Because, and you can say that was three years ago and whatnot, but the same conversations are being had at a different scale. We're not asking Rondo to be our starting point guard. We're asking him to come off the bench, give us minutes in the playoffs when we need it, and he will be ready for the playoffs, I can promise you. If he's not, I'm a clown, sue me, I was wrong. But my, the track record of Rondo speaks for itself. I'm not the one playing. I'm just going off what I've seen. And what I've seen is Alvin Gentry said the same thing in 2018. And what happened in the playoffs? The Pelicans were doing horribly before they put Rondo in that starting lineup. And then in the playoffs, the Pelicans wiped the floor with Portland. Wiped the floor with Portland. And then last year, Laker fans, including me who's not a Laker fan but watching the games, was saying that, man, if, if Rondo does playoff Rondo this time, that means he's just an extraterrestrial. He did it! We did the recaps! He did it every time! I've, seen, I've really seen people say, don't think the bubble is no indicative of how good Rondo is now. Are you fucking stupid? That is what is indicative of how good it is now because that's all he gives a shit about. It's Rondo! Do you not know what he does? Have you been watching basketball for three years? Guys, and anybody that's trying to pick, take a look at Rondo's stats from this season needs to quit it. Needs to quit it. Because I've seen the capabilities of Rondo in good games. Look at the game that they played against Detroit earlier in the season. It was just like the bubble. He's going to have those games. It shows that he still has that in him. It's about how seriously he wants to take the game. And in the playoffs, he gets a chance to game plan. He's going to be able... He's going to be able, guys, 
to let's just guys think of it this way we have somebody that can help Kawhi and Paul George now on an IQ level somebody that can help them execute somebody that's willing to do the talking that they do not want to do oh Rondo and Patrick Beverly are on the same team people that are universally hated by other players that didn't play with them this is great this is great and you know what? If we don't make it past the second round, I don't think it's going to be Rondo's fault or this trade's fault. It has nothing to do with this trade. It's all about Kawhi and Paul George. At the end of the day, that's what it will come down to. Kawhi and Paul George. But if you're telling me Rondo's not going to help, I can't believe you. I just don't... I've never seen it. I've never seen Rondo not improve teams. Except for Dallas, which was an anomaly because him and Carlisle didn't get along. And quite frankly, when is the last time Dallas made it out of the first round? You want to know when the last time they made it out of the first round was? 2011 Mavs. <laughs> Suckers. And they're not going to make it out of the first round either this year. Anyway, so great win for the Clippers, guys. We got, what did Kawhi say before the season? We need high IQ guys. Well, we got a guy that's been de- described by many people in this era. And, and for my money, I uh, a self-procla- self-proclaimed, but you can take it to the bank, expert of this era that I grew up in. He is one of the smartest players in this era. But one of his flaws is he can over-dribble and he can assist Hunt with and not shoot enough. However, in the playoffs, it seems like that stuff just goes away. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on to other teams. So the first news I got today that really shocked me was the Vucevic to the Bulls. What a great move for Chicago. This is the best move they've made since Gasol in 2014-15. Zach Levine finally got that guy that can partner up with him. A bona fide all-star. You know, and to get rid of, who they get rid of? Wendell Carter, who is not, I, I watched him this season, man. I liked Wendell Carter at Duke. He's, he's not it, man. He's not it. Neither is Lowry uh, chucks threes and doesn't do anything else marketing. This is a great move for Zach. This is a great move for the city of Chicago, as Michael Jordan would say. I'm excited, man. Make Chicago great again. My mom went to school in Chicago. It's my favorite city in America, not named Los Angeles and not named Amherst, Massachusetts or Boston, I guess. No, I like Chicago more than Boston. I, I, I don't really... Boston's great, but I'm an Amherst guy all the way, man. What? I, I'm Team UMass, but Chicago's great. I'm super happy for them. They gave up, like, not like oh, Chandler Hutchinson and Daniel Gafford are gone. And they got Tice! They got Tice! Which brings us to our next point, the Celtics. Very solid move. I've been talking all season about getting a another scorer, another guy that can play, make, and pick and roll. He can do similar things to Hayward. He's not as good as him, Evan Fournier. But it's going to help. I don't know about Fournier's defense, though. Never watched him at that level. But getting rid of Jeff Teague, who honestly was just a miss, miss move. I said before the season, why are they getting him when they have Pritchard? And then, you know, some people were telling me, you're not going to trust a rookie. And then Peyton Pritchard, you know, proved me right. But um, now it's going to give more minutes to the Time Lord in terms of the Tice move. They needed to get rid of Tice because of the tax. But they got Mo Wagner, who's the best big on the Wizards. So that also confuses me as to what the fuck the Wizards are doing and what kind of organization they are right now. It's terrible. But I am... No, but yeah, Bulls... Dude, I I think they should make a push for the playoffs here now, Chicago. Vucevic, Daniel Tice, Kobe White, Zach Levine, they got to make a push for this playoffs here. I, they, they should make it, man. They got two all-stars. Two legit all-stars in this in the East. But And Charlotte should be plummeting down now. Charlotte should be losing games now without Melo. But we'll, Lamelo, but we'll see. Uh, Boston, though. Good move. My thing is this. We'll see how much Tice's loss is felt. That's probably going to be more minutes for Tristan Thompson as the backup. But this fully puts Time Lord into the spotlight as like the main big for the Celtics, which I like. But the thing with the Celtics is it doesn't do anything big like the Celtics were an Eastern Conference Finals team last year the 
only next step up is to go to the finals. And they're not going to the finals this year, man. I didn't pick them two before the season, and I'm not going to pick them now. And I don't think after this move, it, may, it means they aren't either. Can they? Maybe. It's a strong, long shot. I mean, if they play Brooklyn, I just don't think they're going to win at all. But maybe they get to the second round of conference finals. But the Kemba Walker move, it had a very unforeseen turn of events where at the pandemic hit, and he just got injured, and he just hasn't been the same. He's not the same consistent star. He's not a star anymore to me. He's just a very good player that plays like a star some nights offensively. I love Kemba Walker. I think he was amazing last year for Boston, like before the pandemic. He was incredible. He did exactly what Kyrie didn't do. He sacrificed. He made the Jason and Jalen better. He let them develop on their own, and he played well and made shots when he needed to and did not want to take over the team. But it kind of just didn't really pan out long term. So this offseason, whenever the Celtics lose, whether it's first round or second round, or if they're lucky enough to get to the conference finals again, I think it's time to move on from Kemba. Keep Pritchard, keep the time, Lord, and build around Tatum and Jalen and Marcus Smart. But if you can get someone something bigger and better, maybe. But yeah, I, I think the Celtics got better, but like nothing crazy. The thing, the thing is, Jason Tatum and Jalen and Marcus and, and, and Kemba need to stay on the court, need to get a run of games together and play better. Like, simple as that. Seriously. Both ends of the court. They, they just have to. So let's move on to the Wizards. We talked about Mo Wagner for a second. That's a good pickup. I don't know what in God's name they're thinking with this. Because what does that leave them? Are they just full tank mode? You're going to go tank mode with Bradley Beal and Westbrook. And Bradley Beal and Westbrook again tonight. Shooting poorly from the field. When do you see two stars on the same team shoot poorly two games in a row? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, Wizards fans. But when Bradley Beal plays badly, he usually played well. plays well the next game. Russ had a bad stretch before the before he rested. But after that little rest, he's been great. But this ever since the All-Star break, the Wizards have just been all over the place. And again, I don't know how the fuck Scott Brooks was not fired months ago. And I'm not the type of person to call out coaches, but the freaking facts are there. We watch the tape, man. We watch Wizards games. Unacceptable. Unacceptable that they're wasting Bradley Beal's prime like this. Westbrook has a couple years left. Garbage, man. I don't know how Beal hasn't requested it. I think he, should, he just requests out just because of the incompetency of the front office now. Mo Wagner being traded. What in the world did that do for them? What did that do for them? Did they get any picks from this? Picks for what? Are you full-on rebuild? The Wizards, I, I, I'm going to take, I mean, I guess I'm going to take it back now. Yeah, I'm going to take it back. The Hawks are going to make the playoffs over the Wizards now. I was wrong. I'll take my L on it. I'm not sticking with the Wizards anymore. They're not making the playoffs anymore. And it's, it's, it's partially Westbrook's fault. Just, eh. It's a little bit of everybody's fault, but mostly the, the incompetence of the front office for the team that they put together. And when you saw it wasn't going well, you did not make the adjustments. You have opportunities to do this in a season. Mo Wagner going is so stupid. And then Scott Brooks staying is even dumber because you see what Atlanta did. They fired their coach when I was blaming Trey Young, the same way I blamed Westbrook. And Westbrook has stepped up. Beal is, a, I think he's played a little worse as the season's gone on. Actually, like, not really. Like, they were on a roll, and then all of a sudden they plummeted again after the All-Star break. But, and oh, Denny Avdia. He's just not being developed at all. He hasn't been properly utilized all season long. Terrible, man. Terrible. Terrible. Ted, what's his name? Ted Leonsis, who is in charge of that organization. Is Ernie Grunfeld still there? I mean, it's terrible what's going on with the Wizards right now, man. They're done for this season. The, the Hawks fired Lloyd Pierce, and look what happened to them. 
I don't know if Lou Williams is even going to play. He's he's going back to Atlanta. This isn't the first time he's been there. This is a, you know, he, he was a great player in the Atlanta Hawks, too. He had some good years there, or if it was one year, I'm not sure. But he was on the Hawks. And by the way, to answer the listener question, no, I don't like Lou Williams better than Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford, because he never was irresponsible, and he has an appreciation of the history of the game that's higher than most players that have played in the NBA or that are on social media, I have a ton of respect for Jamal Crawford. He's like a true student of the game. Like, I love that. I love Jamal Crawford for that. Uh, and he spent more years with us in the end. Jamal spent um, five years with us, Lou three and a half, so Jamal got him beat. Um, let's go to the Nuggets, who I'm a little scared of again because I think that their move to get Aaron Gordon was huge because it kind of gives them the Jeremy Grant replacement. Like, he's not as good offensively as Grant or necessarily defensively, but, like, he's pretty good. And now they have a st- and, uh, Gary Harris going to Orlando. So Orlando, let me just say how bad Orlando is, guys. They could have had Nikola Vucevic. This is after Dwight Howard's trade. They've been terrible since then, ever since Dwight Howard was traded. By the way, we're, uh, for the podcast listeners, we're going to overtime tonight. Trade deadline, we're going to overtime. Um, Orlando could have had Tobias Harris, Nikola Vucevic, Victor Oladipo, and Aaron Gordon all on the same team, which could have been in a consistent five-seed, four-seed in the Eastern Conference. And they let them go. They traded Tobias Harris for, like, what to Detroit? Who'd they get in that trade? Get me, give me the info here. Was it, was it Brandon Jennings? No, I don't even know. But you know who they got for uh, uh, Oladipo? Serge Ibaka. Like, they got Victor Oladipo and traded him after the third season. What kind of stupidity is that? Like, and now they have no choice but to start from scratch because they put themselves in that situation. So the Magic are going to be terrible for a long time now or a couple years until unless they get a franchise player. Then you get a franchise player. Um, they're going to be continue to be trash. Screw them. Um, what was the other team? Oh, yeah, so Denver. Also getting JaVale McGee. Again, another return. Like Lou Williams with Atlanta, JaVale. I think, honestly, his best tenure may have been as a Nugget. I was at 2012 uh, playoffs, first round, game five against the Lakers, man. Him and Andre Miller were going off. They beat the Lakers that day, got the series to 3-2. It was the only time I'd ever sat lower bowl at a Laker playoff game. But JaVale, man, he was explosive attacking the rim. Uh, That was good old Denver Nuggets days with Ty Lawson. But I think it was a good move. For the, for the Nuggets. I really do think it was a good move. Uh, JaVale and Aaron Gordon. Orlando, they suck. Uh, so then let's talk about the big, other, another huge winner today. By the way, briefly, good pickup for the Sixers to get uh, George Hill. And very awkward to see. I, Kyle Lowry won't be a problem. I'm actually very happy to see him stay in Toronto because he's just Toronto's guy. Um, but the other one was uh, Lonzo. He was very... Very, um, very questioned. Uh, question, you know, uh, the trade talks were very high in question. And for him to stay with the uh, Pelicans, man, that's awkward, dude. Like, he knows his name. He was being shopped around. Like, that's just awkward to me. How do you expect him to buy in like that? Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Luke. Luke, Brandon Jennings and Urson Ilyasova were traded for Tobias. I'm assuming this was after Brandon Jennings tore his ACL too. I'm almost positive. Terrible trade. But um, let's see. What are the ones? Oh, so, so Miami. So Victor Oladipo, right? I don't understand. So tell me, guys, why did he want to leave the Pacers? 
Like he said that like why did he want to leave the Pacers? I heard somebody tell me on Twitter today they said he broke his trust. I don't know what that means. I thought that the Pacers were a great place for him. He was he had his best season there. And then he didn't want to play for Houston. What's wrong with Houston? You can be like the guy here if you want. No, it's not good enough. So he wants to go to Miami. Like, who does Victor Oladipo think he is? Like, great move for the Heat. I'm just talking about as a player. Like, I'm just looking at it from a fan. Like, who is this guy? Like, is so if if if, if, if Chris Paul wanted to go to Miami, like, why can't he just do that? Like. If it's that easy that, like, you don't have to abide by a country, you just go wherever you want, refuse to care about teams. Like, James Harden and Oladipo have done this season. It's just ridiculous. But the Heat, yeah, the Rockets, dude, oh, my God. Like, for what they gave up for James Harden and what it's led to is terrible. And James Harden at the same time, like, he only requested three teams, like Philly, Miami, and uh, expanded the list of his team, like Phoenix, Miami, and what's the other one? Uh, and Brooklyn, and it's like, what do they have to offer the the Rockets? Because they're in a win now mode. All those teams, unless you're giving them one of the win now players, then no, they should just like what I think the Rockets should have done is just sent James Harden to Siberia, Sacramento, and be like, yo, give us the Aaron, we'll give you Harden, like some some bullshit like that. Who cares if he's happy? Was he making the Rockets fans happy? Forget it. Forget, why do you have to care? Like, okay, he treated you, like, at the same time, it's like Harden gave the Rockets great years, but the Rockets trading for Harden allowed him to develop into the player that he became. So, like, when you're on a contract and you ask for a trade like that and the franchise doesn't really want to trade you and you give him that many teams to trade, it's like, look what the Rockets have now done. Like, they by listening to him. Like, I don't mess with Harden at all for that, but the Rockets organization, I like seeing him in the mud, honestly. I used to like the Rockets, but screw them now. But ever since they got rid of Maury, it's been downhill. Like, what did they get from this? Oladipo, who didn't want to play for them, and now what did they get? Kelly Olenek and a pick swap. I mean, garbage. The Rockets are going to be terrible. They need a franchise player. Cade Cunningham. (laughs) Jesus, they're terrible. Uh, But for Miami to get Oladipo and keep Duncan and Tyler Hero... What a pickup. I don't know how that's going to fit in necessarily because that's like a lot of guards, like ball-dominant pick-and-roll guards. But I don't think it's going to make them any worse. And I still got Miami coming out of the East, and this only makes my pick better. So Jimmy Butler got a little bit of help today on the perimeter, and I'm messing with that. Pat Riley doing the business. But Houston and Orlando, such losers today, man. They are going to be in total garbage. Them and OKC... I'm thinking San Antonio should just add to this list too, you know. Get with the the, the this going to be terrible for a couple of years program until they get a franchise player. But anyone else I'm forgetting, gentlemen? Anyone else? Um, I think that's what everybody right. No other big moves. Yeah, so I guess that's it for tonight. Now we're gonna go to the live subscribers. My biggest winners, though, of the day. By the way, the Lakers didn't pull the trigger on THT for Lowry. I think it's all going to come down to LeBron and AD being healthy in the end. Um, We'll see. I think that's a big deal, honestly. Lakers are fine. It's just going to be tough to win with these guys out. That's the sacrifice you pay when you get a LeBron team, though. You position certain guys around him, and then if he misses... I mean, they're both out, so it's not easy, but... Whatever. That's it for tonight, guys. We went 30-minute recap tonight. Thanks for letting. Thanks for joining me. Let me know what you think. Never gonna go to the live chat for a bit. We got more viewers tonight, even after a Clipper win. I'm guessing it's because of the trade deadline madness. So drop a dime. Super chats are turned on. 
Peace out. Oh, yeah, very quickly, Norman Powell to the Blazers, UCLA alumni Norman Powell, one of my faves. Um, very lateral move. I think it's good for Portland, but, like, they gave up Gary Trent and Rodney Hood, and Gary Trent has been fantastic over the last year and a half, so very lateral move for both teams. I don't really understand. But anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Peace.